Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What is up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon. I'm going to be your host, and this is episode 75. This is going to be actually the second guest episode that I've had on this podcast. The first was several months ago over the summer of 2018, and uh, I was with Dan Holguin. But this second one, this is someone that I, I've met... Um, Jeez, I don't even know, like sometime in the past year online, just through mutual friends and Facebook groups and just, uh, you know, we crossed paths so many times. And uh, anyway, this particular person, his name is Patrick Umphrey, and he's a coach and trainer. And he kind of has found his niche in powerlifting, coaching, although that's not exclusively what he does. But he's a great dude. He's a wealth of knowledge. And as you know, I'm very selective with who I bring on this podcast for a whole number of reasons. Uh, But this particular person, I just believe, is someone who has a lot of knowledge and education, experience, and uh, can bring a lot of value. So before I get into the interview, though, um, it's not even an interview, really. It's more of a discussion. There's some questions, but it's really just just a conversation. So, uh, you know, and, and in that context, I think you guys will get more out of it than if I was interviewing him in a structured, formal way. But anyway, before I get into that, if you haven't yet, take a couple minutes, go over to iTunes, review the podcast, screenshot your review, and post it in Instagram or Facebook stories, and tag me and one other friend. That whole process will take you three to five minutes, and if you do that, you will be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card, and honestly, from when this is airing, uh, you're only going to have about a week like six days. So if you listen to this the day that it airs, uh, do it immediately. Pause this, go do it. It'll only take a couple minutes and you'll have uh, an opportunity of winning one of four, actually, $50 Amazon gift cards. So again, go over to iTunes, leave me a review. You can do it right on your phone. Screenshot the review and post it in your Instagram stories or Facebook stories. Tag me and tag a friend. Now, if you post it in both Instagram and Facebook, you have double the chances of winning. So I definitely encourage you to do that. And it would help me out. It would help the listeners out to help the podcast grow. And, um, you know, it's the giving season. So why not do that anyway? So one other thing before I jump into the conversation with Patrick, which is this, if you're new to the podcast, and you don't know what strength of body stands for, you don't know what I stand for and what I believe and why this podcast exists, I'm going to break it down very simply. I definitely encourage you to go back at some point and listen to some of the previous content. But again, real quick, strength of body and mind was founded from really one core belief, one core set of beliefs. And that is that the mind, the mindset, perspective, having a vision, being able to visualize your goals in fitness has a way bigger impact than most people think. Okay, way bigger impact than most people think. And that alone, that thing alone is the one thing, well, not the one thing, but it's a crucial part of why most people fail at fitness or why they cannot sustain and stay consistent in fitness. Yes, you need to train right. You need to eat right. Those are all obvious things. Yes, you need to drink water. You need to you know, adhere to your calories and your macros. All that stuff is obvious. Okay, what's not obvious that most people fail at is keeping the right mindset, developing the right mindset specifically, and this is a big one, is developing the understanding and the belief that you can receive the results that you actually want, right? I get into this in depth in other episodes, but just hear the words one more time, is developing the belief and the understanding that you can actually receive the results that you want, 
In other words, if your results that you want, your actual goal that you want is so massive that you can't possibly put together in, in, a, in a realistic context how it would be possible to achieve that, that is where the break is. And that is where you need to make the connection so that you can actually go forward. You can make a lot of progress. You can get a lot of results, but you won't actually get the results you want until you can get yourself in that frame of mind where you are ready to receive those results that you actually want. Not a maybe, not a potentially, not a possibly, not a, not a someday, not a, well, that person got it, but they got lucky or they have this genetic, this genetic advantage or whatever, like <laughs> throw all that away. Get yourself into this mindset where you can receive the results that you actually want. Okay, that is really what strength of body and mind is all about. So with that, guys, I'm going to jump right over to this conversation with my man, Patrick Humphrey. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. I've got my main man, Patrick Umphrey here. Patrick, first of all, actually, before before we even get into like your backstory and stuff, before we go sure. into all that, <laughs> I just have to know, dude, what are you, and this can be about fitness, this can be about anything you want, but what today, December 11th, has you freaking excited right now? Wow, that is a fantastic question. What has me excited? I am excited for a couple of online courses that I am going to take in January. And I'm excited about them because I'm going to learn things. And I'm <laughs> going to focus on self-development. There's a course that um, <clears throat> Alex Viata is just piloting in January. And um, it is designed to kind of bridge the gap between the academic side of exercise science and the more application, like personal trainer side of things. And um, I'm pretty sure it's my friend, Jeff Futch, who is in charge of uh, a lot of the behind the scenes work. He might even be teaching the course, um, but I just signed up yesterday. And then I'm also going to be enrolling in the uh, reactive training systems. They have some online uh, courses and that is Mike Tushare. He runs RTS, which is a very reputable and successful um, powerlifting coaching uh, coaching team that has a lot of a lot of competitors over at USAPL Nationals, and um, he's a very smart guy, and I'm really looking forward to that too. So, Dude, that's awesome. I'd say those are two things that I'm excited about. Um, that actually just opens up a whole new category that I wasn't actually planning on talking about, but I have to now. Uh, yeah. So, how long have you been? Just real quick, easy. How long have you been? <clears throat> in fitness, just in the fitness space, working out, training, coaching, all of it? Uh, eight, eight years, I think. Okay. Eight, eight years. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about each train progress and the experience that you have and the coaching sure. experience that you have. And, uh, but my point is like, you've been in, in eight years pretty extensively yet. You're still a student of the game. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I, I find that the farther along I go, the dumber I feel like I just <laughs> like, I, and I don't mean to like, you know, insult myself like that, but it's, it's, it's pretty accurate. Like the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Oh, it's so and, true. Um, yeah. And so it's, um, I'm, I'm actively seeking out more, more things to, to learn. So yeah. that's what, where that comes what, from. Uh, where do you think? Where do you think you have had that revelation the most? If Is it on the lifting side, exercise side, physical movement side, or on the nutrition side, bi biology side? Um, I think it's both. Um, I think I would, if I had to choose between those two, it's probably more training focused. But the biases there are probably that, um, you know, while I don't exclusively work with powerlifters, I do have uh, a, a pretty high percentage. It's it's probably a little over 50% of my entire client base are competitive powerlifters, and so I'm not I'm not sure how that happened, but it did. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I would say that I have more of um I don't want to say a focus, but like 
I find myself thinking a lot about program design and about technique and about things related to getting people stronger. And so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. But it's certainly not just that. I mean, it's it's definitely both. Yeah. So uh, so for everyone who's listening, I mean, you heard the intro. Patrick is so he's got eight years experience. He says so himself, but he's also he's a coach and he's a trainer and he runs uh, a very big community called Eat, Train, Progress. And if you're not part of it on Facebook, you definitely got to go over there and check it out. It's a free group. There's tons of people in there that have tons of knowledge, including Patrick himself. He's in there every single day. But um, Eat, Train, Progress is bigger than that. So I'm curious, Patrick, why don't, why don't you just give everyone just like a quick little like summary? What is Eat, Train, Progress? How did you come up with it? And like, what does that stand for? And what, what does that brand really mean to you? And what do you deliver? Yeah, well, um, let's let's start with how it's how it began um it started as a group on uh, my fitness pal my fitness pal has a forum and you can create and run your own subgroups in there and so i started it with a friend of mine and um we originally created it so that we had a place that we could distribute information but prevent people from just basically spouting nonsense. And so we could, you know, if it's our forum, we can have our own rules and things like that. And that's also where I got started um, kind of getting my feet wet with coaching in that I would have people uh, create specific threads, filling out a kind of questionnaire. And my friend Sara and I would go in there and basically talk about the answers to their questions. So I'll give you an example. If someone, their bench press were stalled out, they would fill out a specific set of information. Her and I would get on there and uh, come up with a plan of action for them. And that's not the same as one-on-one coaching because it was her and I, you know, reading, reading information and then typing up a response. But it was kind of the um, starting point of that. And that group, it's it's still on my fitness pal, but I'm no longer active in there. But when I left, it had something like 10,000 people in there, so it got pretty big. And yeah. um, that's really where uh, that's where it all started. And then I I moved it from there over to Facebook. So that's awesome, first of all. But how did you Thank get? You. How did you get? Because um, right now, I mean, the last time I checked, anyway, the Facebook group E Train Progress has like 12,000 maybe even more members at this point. That's uh, it's at 17,000 now. 17. Okay, so somewhere, yeah. I don't know, maybe I misread it or I don't That's know whatever, right. but <laughs> either way. So 17,000 people. So yeah. how how did you grow that group so so big? Now, even if even if every single person came over from my fitness pal, which is probably unlikely, but even if they did, how did you grow that to such a a huge audience, such a um, huge group? I the first answer is I don't know. Uh, but I can, <laughs> I can tell you what I think were um, probably factors that contributed to it. I think one is probably luck. I think that one is that I try to demonstrate my personal values in how I run the group. And I also have a team of moderators that do a fantastic job helping me do that. Um we have a very clear list of rules that we enforce. Um, I do my best to try to provide information, but also to try to provide people with the feeling that they're valued in that I want people to know that I appreciate them in the group. I want to provide content that is engaging so that people feel compelled to offer their response. Um, And I also think that Having friends in the industry who also have a lot of experience, have large followings, has undoubtedly been helpful. And I could chalk some of that up to luck because when you have someone who has a huge following who promotes your group by putting it on their wall and saying, hey, this place is great. You should join it. There have been people that have done that, and I've picked up like 500 followers in the course of a few days. And so I I have to imagine that that networking aspect is also a very important piece of growing a uh, group yeah okay that's awesome now do you set it plain this is really for me i'm just curious yeah what's do up? you uh do you find that a, a lot of those followers individually outside of the group send sorry, you messages you, oh yeah absolutely um and, and i mean 
with 17,000 people, like it's, it's not a high percentage, but I would say that, um, in a, in a given week, I probably get anywhere from five to 10 messages that are just people that I don't interact with on a regular basis that are just group members that either have a question or I also, fortunately, I get a lot of people that will just reach out to me randomly to just say thank you and that they love the group and that just makes me feel good. So yeah, that's so great. I do, I do get a fair amount of that and it, it, um, reinforces the, it gives me the impression that I am adding value and that makes me feel good and that motivates me to keep doing it. Uh, you definitely are. And I'm a big believer in like putting people around you, building up your proximity, building up your, your circle to be of like-mindedness. I'm a huge fan of that. And, um, I'm just going to stress that one more time. Like if, if you're someone listening to this and you don't currently have a lot of positive influences in the fitness space, whether it's like other coaches, trainers, people who are actually experienced or people who are also trying to go through some kind of transformation or build some level of strength that is beyond what they're at now or something like that, then that group right there, the eat train progressed group is a place you want to be. That's like the, those are the types of people you want around you, even if it's remotely through Facebook. So anyway, I love it. Yeah, no, it's an awesome place. So you've done something really special there, Patrick, for sure. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. Um, so one of the things that, um, that this whole brand strength of body and mind, like the podcast and what I try to convey into my clients through my coaching style is it's really about mindset. Like I, yes, I truly believe that that is like, it's the cornerstone of the whole thing. And one of the things that I find, and I really want your opinion on this, but one of the things I find is that like anyone can obviously figure out through Googling and YouTube searching and whatever, watch videos, they can figure out how to calculate macros, how to eat, how to train, how to lift weights, whatever. All that stuff's pretty simple. Not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Um, what I find the most is like this common challenge where people, it's not that they can't achieve results through doing those things. It's that they can't get past the mental block that it's possible for them to actually receive those results. So just a, a prime example, someone who's trying to really go through something massive, like lose 40 pounds. I don't know. I'm just making this up on the spot, but lose 40 pounds, which is a pretty significant goal for a lot of people, yep. something like that. They have trouble actually visualizing that they could actually receive the benefit of going through that. They could actually achieve that thing. Interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting way to put it. I think that, um, <clears throat> You know, we talk a lot about the importance of goal setting, and I think that sometimes, in at least some examples, um, goals can seem insurmountable when you're focusing on the end result rather than focusing on the process. And so I think that there's a chance that in some of those cases, those might be individuals who are much better suited to not concern themselves so much with this end outcome and to um, place the emphasis on, you know, rather than I'm, I need to lose 40 pounds, it becomes what choices do I need to make today? And and just put that as the, um, you know, kind of at the forefront of where their mental energy needs to go. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think, okay, so let's, I kind of want to pack that a little bit. So that's, that's awesome. I I agree. Right. So if uh, someone has a a big, massive goal like that, and they're able to get to the place where they can say it out loud, which is hard enough for some people anyway, is just saying, you know what? Yes, Patrick, dude, I want to lose 40 pounds. Right. I realize it's difficult, but I want to lose 40 pounds. Originally I said I wanted to lose 20, but that's actually bullshit. What I really want is to lose 40. And I didn't want to say that because it didn't seem realistic enough. Sure. But now I'm saying it. I want to lose 40 pounds. That's a big looming goal. It's way off in the distance. And it seems insurmountable, like you said. So mm-hmm. to get from here to there, I personally believe that having someone in your court that can help you basically uh, generate a blueprint that you can follow. Sure. That you can focus on today. And then maybe tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day in that order and not focus on the six or eight months or whatever it's going to take right. to lose 40 pounds. That's how I see the best way to execute that. I um, agree. So what about people who aren't able to put those pieces together 
by themselves. Like, what do you think the right move is? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a tough one because you're talking about. I'm assuming anyway, you're you're referring to like people who are doing this on their own and don't necessarily have the coaching or the support network to help them through that. Uh, is that what you're asking? Just to make Correct. sure I'm right. understanding. So anyone who, saying. yeah, like anyone who they may not even know that like either coaching is even a thing. You know, they sure. may they might know that personal training is a thing, but not necessarily coaching or or they're stubborn and don't feel like they need to maybe put someone in their court. Like sure. what, you know, how do you how would you if someone were to come up to you <laughs> come up to you and describe this scenario, um, like what would be your your recommended course of action? If they're sitting there fumbling over and over and over and over again because they're looking at this huge picture, this huge forty pound goal that they're trying to get to, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Don't they it's like they don't know what they don't know kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record because I'm I'm kind of going to repeat what I've said originally, but um I would I would urge them to identify actionable steps that they can take immediately or in the short term or today that are going to get them towards their goal. Now, if this is someone who does not have the either the experience or the I'll say education, but I don't mean education in a general sense. I mean, on the specific topic of how to lose weight, um, you know, providing them with some of those basic tools might be helpful. It might be helpful to sit down with them and to try to identify what the barriers are. So, for example, um, I'll, I'll give you one example from a former, technically not a client. I did one session with him, but he is a friend from 10, 15 years ago. I still interact with him on Facebook. And I gave him one lesson on how to sumo deadlift and how to squat um, in the gym. And we just had a conversation about diet, but I was not coaching him on on diet and there was no ongoing support. So I'll back up a step. You know, on the internet, we might hear that everyone has to track calories or everyone has to do, you know, if it fits your macros or whatever. And, and yeah, those are great methods for some people, some of the time, not knocking it, but this is someone who is very clearly this, this friend of mine, not in a position that they're going to start up a MyFitnessPal account and get a food scale and start meticulously tracking everything. But when we sit down and have a conversation and find out that he's drinking six Mountain Dews a day, now we've identified a very, very easy, um, uh, well, I should say simple, um, singular change that we can focus on that is going to potentially have a large impact. And so the process I took with him was to say, do you think you can stop drinking Mountain Dew? And his, his honest answer was entirely. And I said, well, could you? And he said, no. And then I said, well, could you switch to diet? And he said, no, I won't do that because I hate diet. And I said, okay, you're drinking six a day. Do you think you could cut down to four? And he said, you know, I think I can do two to three. Then I said, okay, Let's make that change. And he ended up dropping something like 12 pounds in the next, uh, I think it was over the next five, five, six weeks, something like that. I don't have the actual data, but, but the point of this is that you're talking about making one behavioral change. And now not everyone is going to have that capacity in, in their diet to say, oh, I'm just going to change this one thing and now drop 12 pounds. I get that. That's not going to work for everyone. But you don't know until you actually just sit down and have that conversation. And I think that there are plenty of examples where that is the better approach than telling someone you've got to start logging everything that you eat because they might not have the readiness to do that. And there are examples where if you ask too much of someone when they're first starting out, that could be the thing that pushes them over the edge and causes them to give up and quit. Much in the same way that you would never take someone, or at least you shouldn't be taking someone on day one of a training program and having them do like five sets per exercise and, and an hour and a half session and, and <laughs> make it so they can't get out of bed the next day. Like that is not smart coaching. And so mm-hmm. um, it's it's similar to that. Did that answer your question or did I no, just that ramble? that was good. That was, okay, that was perfect. Okay, I was making yeah. sure I wasn't, wasn't nope, sure dude, if I went so, off the deep end there. <laughs> that was great. So for people who are listening, like – it, it's yes, I talk a lot about macros on this podcast. Sure. And if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I talk about that. I talk about intuitive eating. I talk about how I truly don't believe in intuitive eating until you understand your body a little bit. Uh, intuitive eating is what got me in trouble. Intuitive eating is what has gotten so many people I know in trouble because they listen, they quote unquote listen to their body 
and they ignore the hunger police or they ignore the food, whatever all those rules are for intuitive sure. eating. And what that causes them to do is just eat everything. <laughs> it's what caused me to eat everything. In and, some ways, in some ways, I think that the term intuitive eating has has become eating without any formal type of logging. And I don't necessarily think that's an accurate way to describe it. I'm not saying that you're using that term that way. I'm saying that just in general, I find that in a lot of online yes. discussions that people say intuitive eating, but that's not always what they mean. And that so, is true. I agree. Yes, you're right. It's a, it's, a, it's a misused term, but I do talk about that a lot. I do talk about macros, uh, but what Patrick's describing, guys, for those who are listening, like you can very likely find one thing that you can start doing today or stop doing today in this yep, case. Yep. Yeah. And have massive impact and have massive impact. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about being intentional and being very meticulous with <laughs> decision making. If you focus your energy and you focus like your, your, your actions on one thing at a time and you do it well, and and just incrementally, slowly, and gradually build off of that, you'll be amazed how much progress you can make without having to make this entire radical lifestyle change all at once. Yep. So that's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Um, so one question that keeps coming up when I talk to people, and especially as a dad, and I know you're a dad, yeah, is um, and you know we've got friends, and and our our kids have friends, and whatever is um is fitness, the, 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 the perspective of fitness in the society, at least here in the U S uh, both in the youth and adult communities more, more so in the youth community. I'm curious of like, what, what do you think the current state of the union is as far as like youth fitness and how it's perceived? Um, and, and do you think like, if you, if you had the power to change anything, would you? I think that I actually don't have a good handle on where that is, and that could be just due to my children being as young as they are. Um, so not not to be a uh, conversation killer, but like I, I honestly don't feel like I have a good sense of where that actually is at the moment. And one thing on a, on a kind of a personal note, um, I've participated in some discussions where I will hear people make statements about um, I'll give you one example, and I hope this doesn't open up a can of worms. I'm not sure <laughs> if you saw the thread on my wall, or I'm sorry, in Eat, Train, Progress, where I, I mentioned that it's unethical for a personal trainer to try to persuade people to stop taking medications or to not go to their doctor. Well, what started this was a blog post by a fitness professional that essentially said that most doctors are terrible, and here's why. Okay. And now, not, without going into that topic, because that could open up this massive can of worms, the issue that I have with it is why would someone feel like they know what most doctors do? Like, or have they gone to, like, millions of doctors? No, probably not. <laughs> so why would someone feel like they actually have the requisite knowledge to make a factual statement about, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that have the occupation of doctor? Like, I just don't get how someone has the balls to like make <laughs> statements that that they know what most the comp like how would you know the competency level of all of these people? I just don't <laughs> get how someone would know that. Now, that's not to say, by the way, to tie it back to this conversation, that's not to say that I don't think there are fitness professionals like perhaps yourself and other people who could very accurately talk about this the state of things in terms of uh, how fitness is perceived and how fitness is taught to our children and things like that. It's a very good question. All I'm saying is that I really have no idea where it's at. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> out of touch with that entirely. Perhaps I should be more in touch with it, but I'm really not. So let me ask you this: What's your opinion about that? Yeah, about no, what you about about the question you just asked me? Like, sure. tell me what you think about about um, where things are at right now. My yeah. children, by the way, are are seven and four. I don't okay. know um, how oh, my son is seven. That's perfect, cool. actually. Cool. So you you tell me what your <laughs> Uh, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a fair answer, by the way. I mean, you, you don't know and that's cool or you don't, you don't comfortable maybe. Um, I'm not, obviously I don't have kids in high school. I don't have kids in middle school, so I don't have a great pulse on it either. Yeah. Uh, I, I have nephews and nieces and I have friends with kids who are in high school and middle school and I ask them all the time. I'm actually extremely interested in this topic and the perception that I 
have is based on my relatively small sample size of sure. data points, but it, it's not it's not great, or at least around here. Sure. Okay, it's not great. It, You're in Massachusetts, right? I'm in, yeah, the Boston area. Yep. Cool. So <clears throat> it doesn't seem to be like there's much emphasis on anything beyond the mandatory one hour per week or whatever, two hours per week of physical education class at school. Yep. Which kind of looks like maybe it's not really physical education. It's more like this required checkbox, at least around here, that they're forced to at least go into the gymnasium and move around a little bit, but they're not really doing any actual physical activity, not nothing okay. real. Yeah. Um, and so the perception I get is that it's just not, there's just not as much of an emphasis on there as there probably should be. Gotcha. Like the, so the way I perceive fitness and, and a lot of people get confused about this. They think that, um, not everyone by the way, but a lot of people see a trainer or a coach and they think that fitness is like the most important thing in my life. Or they might look at you and say, you're a coach, you're a trainer, you are obsessed with fitness and you think everyone should be at their peak physical condition at all times. And that is not how I personally see it. Um, I do, however, yeah. yeah. So I do, however, think that fitness is important, obviously, which is why I'm into it. And also that you have a, a body, like as a human, you have a body, you have your own body, you're, you're obligated to take care of it. And sure. one of the things that we do is or a lot of things we do like brush our teeth go to the dentist go to uh, therapists go to our primary care we get physicals we can do all this stuff we take medication when our doctor tells us we need to but a lot of times we don't put a lot of emphasis on taking care of our bodies and what i'm starting to see is that that um that practice or that lack of practice is because of developed habits over time or lack of developed habits over time starting at a young age that you have to take care of your body yeah. And that doesn't that doesn't mean be four percent body fat or whatever. Like it's not that. It's just taking care of yourself and putting some emphasis on utilizing your body, keeping it strong, keeping it healthy, keeping your arterial health in check, things sure. like that, flexibility, range of motion. And uh, I just don't see an emphasis on that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. man, that's fair. And I, I think I'm glad I asked you that question because that's way better than anything I would have said. <laughs> Uh, I've yeah, given a lot of great. thought, and again, I, I I grill my friends all the time um, who who never think about this stuff, and sure. they have kids that are older than mine, and they're like, dude, I don't know, like I I I don't even think about that. They go to school, uh, they play baseball in the spring. Uh, I don't know, I just never think about it. I yeah. mean, you know, I let them eat whatever they want. They eat Doritos, they eat McDonald's, and is that a problem? And then they start asking me, and then the and then the conversation turns, and they start asking me what I think their kids should do. <laughs> sure that's that a, that's a tough one i bet it's really awkward yeah. yeah uh that's funny um well this is kind of a weird trans like transition but um one of the things i wanted to ask you about too is supplementation sure so um and i'll just prime you on how i feel about supplementation sure. um because because a lot of times this is controversial with people but like i'm a huge fan of supplements if they are used as supplements yeah and all supplementation is not required for every person and not all supplements are required at all if the nutrition is right. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I see it. But I'm curious your thoughts. I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, you should um, – we can't really make – there's very few blanket recommendations one could make about supplementation without knowing the individual and their needs and what they're getting from their diet. And I think that that's how it – really needs to that's how the conversation should start um you know as a coach i don't I, I try to walk that line of scope of practice and like i don't tend to tell people hey you have to take the supplement because that's really unethical but um you know i if i have say a, a strength athlete i might educate them on the benefits of creatine and and send them uh some information for them to check out and a lot of them choose to take it because i think it's quite beneficial but um, yeah, I mean, not to, not to be boring, but I think you nailed it. It's, yeah. that's, that's pretty much how I view it. And, um, I do think that a lot of people put a little too much emphasis or believe that supplements do a lot more than they actually do. Like I think in, in many of these cases, the effects that they have are small and, um, I think that needs to be kept into perspective. Yeah. I just don't think I, I'm starting to see that it's 
well, so when I was growing up and I started getting into weightlifting in like high school, it, the supplement industry was very, very few. You know, I could mm-hmm. open up any uh, muscle and fitness magazine or whatever, and it was, you know, three quarters of the magazine was supplements. Yep. And so I was, I felt like I had to go to GNC and buy everything in the store. And then as I got older, yep. I didn't take anything. And then I got my, my most results when I wasn't taking anything. Mm-hmm. And then I slowly started sprinkling things back in. And I noticed that that rounded out like that last few percent. Sure. And, um, what I always tell my clients is, you know, the nutrition is everything there. Uh, well, it's the majority of it. Like that's going to do that's going to have the biggest impact and then your training on top of that and then we'll sprinkle in things on top of that if we feel like if i feel like it's a good fit i'll recommend it to you sure uh, that's that's cool so i'm glad you know i'm glad to hear we never had this conversation before no for those who are listening like we didn't talk about this ahead of time um and i'm always curious when i talk to trainers and other coaches how they feel about supplementation and i'm finding yeah, I mean, that yeah finding more I and more it's... that no one no one forces it so that's cool to hear yeah, I mean it's 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 a small part of the puzzle and it's something that needs to be done on a client by client basis in terms of there are people that are going to have they're going to be getting different things from their diet or not getting certain things from their diet. Um there could be some lifestyle things. So for example, I have no issue if someone is getting, you know, taking a two or three scoops of whey protein a day. If as long as they have if as long as is they're satiated and they're getting enough micronutrients and, you know, they're not just exclusively having a diet consisting of only whey protein, which nobody does that. Um, I, I don't have any issue with that. And likewise, I have no issue if someone's able to get enough dietary protein without ever touching supplementation. That's also fine. And I just think that, you know, I don't like these extreme stances because there are some people who think you should never take supplements and you should get everything <laughs> you can from whole foods and supplements are bad. And likewise, there are people who think that you, you have to be taking a protein supplement when it's like, well, how much chicken are you eating? Like, uh, you know, you, what you need, you need to get enough protein for um, your goals. But whether that comes from uh, a powder or whether you get that through whole foods, I think is, you know, that's not critically important. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's great. Uh, do you use a coach? Do you uh, personally? Curr- currently, no. I, I have hired um, a few different coaches who I greatly look up to, and I've done that for mainly academic purposes. And so there are a few people who I've hired for Skype consultations. There's a few people I've hired where I've basically paid their fee, and I've um, either either for things for my own fitness or um, if I have uh, a few clients that I'm wanting a second opinion on, I might, you know, take some lifting videos and sit down with uh, someone I consider a good educator and say, Hey, here's my thoughts on this. I'd like to know what you think and stuff like that. So I do that to become a better coach. Oh, that's awesome. So that's just circling right back around to continuing to be a student of the game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are, there's plenty of times where I'll reach out to someone and say, Hey, what, what do you think of this? And what, whether that's just a quick conversation or whether that's getting on Skype with them and doing a consult, it's absolutely worth it to me. I've learned yeah. a lot from it too. No, that's great, man. And like, that's, that kind of like strengthens or reiterates a point that I wanted to make about coaching. So I, I personally believe in coaching, which is why I've made that my career mm-hmm. and why I'm so passionate about it. And it wasn't until I don't, I don't know that we've had the diet. I don't think we've had the, um, the exchange where I kind of explained my backstory to you, but very, very briefly, I fumbled for many years <laughs> until I found mentorship in nice. fitness. Yeah. And then once I found mentorship, um, I got like basically put right into my lane where I needed to be. I executed on a system. Uh, I learned so much by having the right people around me that mm-hmm. I went and in some cases paid for, in some cases not. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much and I was able, I had to overcome about an 85 pound loss and then that's great um, yeah but i mean you know thank you but it took you know it was it was difficult you know but then we, and then once i figured that out though like i learned so much and from there that just went into several years of kind of figuring things out even more so and then i eventually got uh i'm a certified trainer i went for that and then i became a coach and that's when like the real like it all started to click for real and that's nice. when i realized that 
you know, there people just, they, I was in that situation where I didn't know, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I feel like I've said mm-hmm. that three times in this podcast, but I was in a position where I didn't know what I didn't know. And then it took a, like someone to come in as kind of like that beacon and sure. provide that information and set me straight. And then I figured everything out. So now being able to do that for other people is very fulfilling, obviously. And I, I feel, uh, I feel like it's a reward in itself being able to do that. So I'm a big proponent of coaching and I always will be, and I still use a coach today Good. and, uh, I, I, I'm continuously learning from them. I'm continuously changing the way I do things and by, by enhancing myself here and there and just, just always learning, always tweaking. But, um, you know, when it comes to coaching versus training, I, I like to talk about that a lot too. I'm curious of your thoughts on the personal training model versus an online coaching model because sure. coaching allows you to coach at scale remotely, Yep. Right, online coaching. And I believe in the power of it so much. I'm just curious of your thoughts in personal, in person, personal training versus online coaching at scale. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two things and yeah, which I, would you recommend for somebody? I think that there's pros and cons to each approach. And I think it's going to be a matter of, um, what the individual needs. And so I can, I can absolutely think of cases where online coaching is not the right tool for someone and being in a gym with a personal trainer is the right tool. And I can also think of cases where that's probably not true. And so, um, <clears throat> So I'd prefer to frame this discussion in in terms of kind of talking about what the main differences might be. I think that might be a good place to start. Um, Online, I think one of the biggest advantages on the consumer end is both the convenience factor of not having to meet a trainer at a specific time uh, at a gym. Um, Now, depending on the online coaching platform, you might still have to meet them on Skype but there's a much larger convenience factor. And I think on both the coaching and the consumer end, the client end, the fact that the coach has a much larger reach so they can be coaching people all over the world. And the client has the option of seeking out if there's a certain coach that they know that they either get along with or they believe in their philosophy or they followed their material um, online they're able to pursue a specific person. Whereas if you have a gym membership, you're basically limited to the trainers that are at that particular gym. And that can be quite limiting for people. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a gigantic difference. I think that one major disadvantage to coaching online is that I can think of two major disadvantages. One is that it's much harder to make technical adjustments to, I shouldn't say it's harder to make those adjustments. It's less efficient time efficient to make adjustments to technique when someone is uh, lifting weights. So if I am coaching someone on a squat, if I do that in person, I can get immediate feedback and I can provide immediate feedback. And the ability to do that can allow me to make changes at a faster pace. Um, You also, this is going to sound like a minor point, but it's worth mentioning. It's the sensation of touch cannot be used on the internet. It's probably a good thing, LOL. But (laughs) Um, in, in person coaching someone, you can provide, uh, by literally putting your hands on them, you would always ask first, of course, but there might be something that you can do to teach something that involves a sense of touch. One example could be if someone has a uh, knee collapse, when they're coming up out of the squat, you could take your, the backs of your hands and put them on the insides of their knees and, and literally apply a very gentle force to give them something to push against. So they experience that tactile sensation. It might cue them on what they're supposed to do to keep those out. If they have like low kinesthetic awareness or something like that, that might be a tool that you can use uh, to do that. And there's, of course, other ones that you can do that the sense of touch might allow you to communicate something that you can't do online. Um, So those would be some differences. I think that some clients are going to feel better and feel more confident having a trainer with them in the gym. And so I think that um, those could be examples where someone is better off having an in-person trainer. And this is a generalization that's not always going to be true, but I think it's true enough that I'd be comfortable making the generalization. And and I think that's that people that have uh, at least some basic amount of exercise experience who know how to do some basic uh, 
techniques in the gym. They might not need to be shown how to do like a dumbbell row or how to um, use the leg curl machine. They might be in a position where they're better. They're they're. It, I shouldn't say better off, but by comparison, uh, if you if you compare that to someone who's never exercised before, someone who has never exercised before probably shouldn't go with an online coach. More often than not, I think they're better off getting in-person instruction. So those are just some differences that I would cite that I think are um, worth noting, maybe. What do you think about that? Yeah, you made some awesome points. Um, partic- I never really thought about the sense of touch thing, but I can tell you firsthand from training people in person, just like you probably, that yeah. just like – uh, some gentle pressure here and there just to correct their form or tell them, you know, this, this muscle group right here and point to that thing and, you know, like whatever, gently touch it with your hand or whatever, and just say, this is what you should be kind of like really, really engaging. This is your prime mover. So when you do this exercise, you should really focus on that during the contraction and that will provide you the most, whatever, All right? You can, you can get into those things a little bit easier in an in-person conversation when they're standing in front of you. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, I've, I've had tremendous success, however, coaching people online for the first time who have never really spent time in the gym, uh, just through demonstration videos and some basic stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, you, you definitely can. I'm only, I'm, I'm suggesting that it's probably more efficient to do that in person. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. And, um, I've actually worked with people before where, online where their first course of action was to spend an hour with a trainer. Yep. It wasn't me. Like yep. a basic personal trainer, just walking them through some stuff, some basic things. And then from there they were fine. Like yep. they took everything Absolutely. else from there. And so there's so many different ways to do it. And I think, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, like everyone's strategy on how to really get started might be a little bit different. And that's I agree. okay. I agree. That's okay. Um, do you spend a lot of time personal training anymore? I don't do any in person anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, well, I don't do any in that I don't hire out for it. Right. Um, I regularly handle lifters at powerlifting meets and I am very fortunate that I've had some clients that will fly me out to their location to handle them. And when I do that, we usually also do an in-person session just so I can go over some technical stuff. And so I am still, um, I, I no longer offer it as a service, but I still work with people in person, just not nearly as frequently or as often as I do the online because that's part of my daily life now. Right, right. No, that's, that's great, man. So that's that that has become your full time your full time gig. Uh, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> that's te- technically, I still perform close up magic, which I don't know if you knew that, but I'm a professional magician also, and so I do corporate gigs and stuff like that, and so I am still doing that a couple times a week. Um, but the, um, amount of time I spend on coaching and the mental energy is basically where all of my uh, resources go right now. No way. I got to yeah. unpack that for just a second. You are, yeah, go a, for it, man. you are an illusionist of sorts. <laughs> close up magician. I do uh close up magic. Is that like, um, like uh, card, card, card tricks, tricks and stuff? stuff like that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did yeah. not know that. Should I have known yeah, that? Been, I feel like I should have known that. That's uh, all right. Well, is that something I mean, you talk about in ETP a lot? I don't talk about it a lot. I mean, <laughs> most of the stuff I talk about is either immature jokes or fitness-related <laughs> stuff. But, um, but yeah, I still, uh, I still perform regularly. So. That's so cool, man. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, uh, I love it. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, I mean, this has been awesome. Um, I want everyone and anyone who listens to this to engage with you because I think there's a lot to learn there for sure. And Patrick's a great resource. So how can people, besides going over to the E-Train Progress Facebook group and joining that, how can people reach out to you and, and connect with you? Where do you hang out the most online? I'm on Facebook more than anywhere else in terms of if someone wants to get a hold of me or get my attention, that is by far the best place. I also have an Instagram account, which is just eat, train, progress, one word. Um, and I'm starting to focus more on the Instagram account, but it's, you know, it's sort of a, um, it's what I use to review a lot of my clients lifting videos. So they'll tag me on there, but, um, Facebook is really where my, uh, where my online home is. So Facebook's it. That's, okay. that's honestly, yeah, that's, that's where I do the majority of my communications online. 
Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to try and send as many people as possible over there because, again, I think you, you yourself and the group are a wealth of knowledge. I've learned a lot just hanging out over there. And I don't even say a lot, although I am a conversation starter now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, thanks for being part of the group and thanks for having me on the show, too. This is fun. Yeah, yeah, this is great. So anyways, thank you so much, man. And um, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You know, I say it all the time. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard me say this. If you follow me on any form of social media, you've heard me say this. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Surround yourself with people who are going to grow you, who are going to stretch you, who are going to push you, who are going to draw the most out of you. Right? Other people have said it before. Tony Robbins always words it as, he phrases it as, uh, your proximity is your power. Okay, And your proximity is that area immediately around you. Okay, Now, today, in 2018... It could be really looked at as your area in social media. Like, who do you actually keep around you in social media? Who do you talk to a lot? Who do you have around you in your actual life, like real life, like outside social media uh, on a day-to-day basis? Or who do you talk to remotely all the time? Your circle is everything. And if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to stretch, even if it's just in fitness, solely in fitness, then you need to put people around you all the time all the time, as often as possible, and as many as possible that are going to grow you and stretch you. So if you're listening to this podcast, then hopefully you are using me as one of those people, but there's others like Patrick that you can do that to as well. So I use Patrick, right? Patrick is one of those people that I like to keep in my circle for, honestly, I think he's a great dude and and I really like him. And also for selfish reasons, I grow, I'm inspired, I'm I'm motivated, by people like that who are in my circle on a daily basis. It pushes me to do more. So anyway, if you're not already doing that, please take advantage. Go over to Eat, Train, Progress, which is Patrick's Facebook group. Go into Facebook and just search for Eat, Train, Progress. You will find it, and you will find him, myself, and 17,000 other people, plus it's probably more than that by the time this airs, who are all there with one common objective, which is to learn and grow and develop and really talk all things fitness. So um, also another place where you can do that is my Facebook group, which is significantly smaller on so many levels, and that is the mind-body community. So again, just go into Facebook, search for mind-body community and apply there for admission and one of the admins will let you in. And uh, that's the same thing. So right now in December, I'm live on there every single day. I've been there every single day with the exception of one. I had a pre-recorded video, but I try to go in there as often as possible and leave valuable content and some training and uh, a little bit more of what we do here in the podcast just in that group. So Mind Body Community, go check it out. And with that, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, as always, train with purpose. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you.